And so today is, as Mother's Day, a day when families pay special tribute to their moms in various ways, uh, although somewhat limited this year. Uh, but, you know, we can still send them cards and, uh, and gifts. And even if your mother is, is no longer alive, you can still honor uh, her memory. And you can take time today to recall those special times that you spent with them, to reminisce about the things that uh, they've said and done and especially to reflect on the incredible influence that they've had on our individual lives. And so it's a day, really, uh, that we can all participate in in one way or another and celebrate the woman that gave us life. And I ran across this little poem, I think kind of sums it up. It's called, What is a Mom? The poet writes, A mom is one of life's best gifts, someone to treasure through life's ebbs and shifts. She's caring, loving, thoughtful and true, A mom is truly unforgettable, invaluable, and indispensable, too. She's someone who holds a prime place in your heart. She's a mentor, a a confidant, an integral part. She's cook and counselor, caregiver and friend. Someone with whose love on which we can depend to point us to Jesus again and again for building foundations on which we can stand. And those foundations are the subject and And the object, really, of the scripture lesson that we read a few minutes ago, uh, and they are also of our psalm text today, both of which deal with the idea of the solid footing that we need to construct in our lives and of the absolute dependability of God's holy word. And so for our our dear visitor who's with us for the first time, we've been doing an expository look through the book of Psalms, uh, and we started 93 weeks ago, and we're up to Psalm 93 today. So I invite you to join me there. The psalmist writes, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he is put on strength as a belt. Yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voices. The floods have lifted up their roaring, mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waters of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. Gracious God, we come before you this morning, and since we know, Lord, that we can't live by bread alone, but by every word of yours, feed us with it now, we pray. Uh, Lord, nourish us today until the end of our days through your Holy Spirit and to the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So I said uh, at the earlier service, this year is the first time we've had the blessing of having both my, my mom and my, my mother-in-law at home with us, uh, living with us at Mother's Day. And I said I was sure that Vicki would echo uh, the fact that we want to honor them and, and thank them for all that they've done for us and all that they've taught us growing up, uh, imparting lessons, really graduate-level stuff that I've kept with me um, my whole life, stayed with me even today, like my mom's teaching in rhetorical logic when she would say things like if you fall out of that tree and break your neck you can't go to town with me Uh, she taught me biology and uh, the human life cycle when she said i brought you into this world and i can take you out (laughs) and she didn't neglect religion or philosophy either because i can still hear her saying "Uh, you better pray that that kool-aid stain comes out of my carpet and she followed it up with and don't do it again or else. 
leaving our brains to hypothesize and mentally fill in what horrible thing that or else might happen to be. But, but as I said earlier, you know I love you, Mom, and I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, she's awesome. And, uh, and motherhood is, is a great and godly vocation. In fact, Martin Luther, in his larger catechism, explains God has given motherhood a special place of honor higher than that of any walk of life under it as he distinguishes father and mother above all other persons on earth and places them next to himself. And so even though Mother's Day isn't a biblical holiday, uh, it's an important one nonetheless, and it actually does fit in in a roundabout way to our text this morning, uh, to both of them, because of their emphasis on what psychologists tell us we would call our locus of control. And that's just a fancy way to talk about our individual beliefs about the extent to which you and I have complete autonomy over the things that happen to us or whether we're reliant on the sovereign God. Uh, whether we're in charge of our daily lives and of our future destinies or do you and I rest in the knowledge that we're under the guiding influence of a higher authority that has our best interests at heart. And ultimately, whichever it is, whichever one you pick, Whichever one has their hand on the wheel and their, their foot on the pedal, are they dependable? Uh, and I think you'll agree that our psalm text this morning helps lay the bedrock for that answer with, with really a transcendent look at the, the mightiness of the God that we serve with the majestic lines that we read from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns, he is put on strength as a belt. The world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old, you are from everlasting. Uh, and then when it comes to the, the chaotic storms and the crashing waves of life, well, the psalmist, he just tells us right out, the Lord on high is mightier. Uh, and I think that uh, Peter echoed that in the lectionary text that we read where he spoke of the, the solid foundation that God gave us in Christ when he said, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. But, you know, those truths and that sound doctrine don't come to us by osmosis. We don't just have those as something that we automatically know. In fact, the opposite is true, that we naturally rebel against God's authority and, and truthfully often prefer the chaos of our own human desires. And so God uses external means to teach us, all kinds of them really, to teach us to recognize our sin. And, and, and Peter really told us that this morning too when we read... So rid yourselves of evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, and jealousy, and all unkind speech. But like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk, so that you'll grow into the full experience of salvation. And cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. And you know, I think anybody with, with kids can relate to, to Peter's words here, especially when you think about the time you spent feeding your kids as they grow and working with them as they progressed from, from baby formula and onto solid food. And, and it's a pretty easy metaphor uh, as Peter compares the process with the way that we take in education and spiritual content. And both of those processes in the majority of homes happen because of the influence of moms. See, that's why in God's eyes, motherhood is the highest station to which a woman can be called. And as I said to the folks in the, the first service, you really have to stop for a minute and let that idea sink in. Uh, especially in a day and time and a culture 
as a whole that discourages motherhood and as our world tries to tell women, you need to do something more important with your life. When God says the most important thing in life is sitting right across the breakfast table staring back at you. Because in the kingdom of God, no human vocation is higher than that of a parent. But we live in an upside-down world, don't we? We live in a world that tells women that motherhood is a hindrance and that children are a drag and that they'll hold you back and they'll sidetrack your career. So now more than ever, we need to hear the truth that children are not an interruption of a person's life's work. They are a person's life's work. And I want you to listen again to Martin Luther as he expounds on the uh, fifth commandment to honor thy father and mother. He writes, it's a much higher thing to honor than to love. To honor our parents includes not only love but also deference, humility and modesty, all directed, so to speak, toward a majesty concealed within them. And I love that last line, the majesty concealed within them, meaning that the, the life's work of a mother is adorned with beauty and with dignity, but, but it's hidden from the unredeemed eyes of the world, those unredeemed eyes that don't see motherhood's honored position in God's kingdom. So that's why they're always pushing what I call unfamily planning uh, and career over children, because they just don't see the majesty of motherhood. And even those of us who are in the faith don't always give the institution the respect it deserves. One theologian wrote, the greatest use of one's life isn't found Somewhere out there, it's found in the response of a mother to the hungry eyes of an infant, to the inquisitive stare of a child, the hopeful gaze of a youth, the confident stride of a teenager, and the poised independence of a young man or woman stepping beyond the bounds of home for the very first time. And in that same vein, another a writer said, the most important person on earth is a mother she cannot claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral, and she need not. She's built something more magnificent than any cathedral, a dwelling place for an immortal soul in the tiny perfection of her baby's body. And he goes on to say, the angels have not been blessed with such a grace. They cannot share in God's creative miracle to bring new saints into existence. Only a human mother can. And so mothers are closer to God, the creator, than any other creature as they join forces, as God joins forces with mothers in performing this act of creation. And he closes by saying, what on God's good earth is more glorious than to be a mother? And I think I would only add to that just one step further that would take the glory of motherhood to the superlative, and that would be for that mother to teach and instill in her children a love and a reverence for the Lord so they can echo the psalmist's confession today in verse 5 when he wrote, your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. Because really that realization crystallizes the essential meaning of life for all of us. And that's where you can kind of begin to see the deep connection between the celebration of Mother's Day and this sacred theme of Eastertide that we're in with God's design for mothers in the creation of life and Christ's sacrifice to redeem it. And, and sacrifice is something that mothers understand pretty well, right? Those of you that are moms. Vicki forwarded me this little story uh, about a math teacher who asked a, a young boy in her class this question. She said, suppose your mother baked a pie. And there were, were six of you in the family, your parents and, and four children. But then unexpectedly, an out-of-town guest comes to dinner. Uh, so, little Johnny, what fractional part of the pie would you get? 
The boy thought about it for a minute, and he said, well, I'd get one-sixth of the pie, teacher. The teacher said, no, son, I'm afraid you, you don't know your fractions. Remember, there are seven of you now to feed. But the little boy said, no, you, you don't know my mother. Mother would just say she didn't want any pie tonight. All right? Doesn't that sound just like a mom? Right? And in lots of ways, I, I said earlier, that reminded me of Vicky's mom, who for a long time, I don't think ever ate a hot meal because she was always too busy waiting on everybody else and rushing around at mealtime, making sure everybody was taken care of. And I'm sure you guys all know moms like that, too. It was kind of like a uh, young father who was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter. So he, he gets out there a wedding album thinking that the pictures would kind of help explain the idea of the wedding service to her. And when he was finished going through it and they looked at all the pictures, he asked his, his daughter, Honey, now do you have any questions? And so the little girl pointed at the, the picture of the wedding party and asked, Daddy, is that the day Mommy came to work for us? <laughs> right? Oops, sorry, guys. Because, you know, a mother's work is really never done, is it? And uh, I saw an article that said, uh, I don't know what it is about people today, but we're always looking for the time in our lives when things will get easier. And, you know, the same is true with mothers. You know, first you maybe think, uh, if I get through this pregnancy, then things will be easier. But then comes night feedings and croup and colic. And you think, well, well, when the baby can walk and, and gets potty trained, then think things will be easier, surely. Uh, or I, I bet it'll be easier when they can start fending for themselves a little bit and learning to do some things on their own. Or maybe it'll be easier when they get their license and they can haul themselves around. Or, or maybe when they go off to college, things will be easier. Or what about when they get married and have kids of their own? Surely it will be easier, and then I, I can retire and, and catch up on my rest. But the article finished by saying any of us who have gone through those cycles uh, know that it never gets any easier. Although I have heard that grandchildren are more fun. And several people at the first service beeped at that. They thought that was really true. Like the little brother and sister who used their own money to buy their grandmother a small basket of flowers for Mother's Day, and she was really thrilled, but the older of them kind of had a sad look on his face, and so his, his grandma said to the little boy, Honey, what's wrong? Uh, grandma loves her present. And that made him smile, but he said, Well, you know, it really wasn't the one that Sissy and I had picked out for you. There was a, a much bigger one at the flower shop that we wanted to give you. It was real pretty, but Mom said it was way too expensive and it wouldn't be right. Uh, it was shaped like a pillow and had this great big ribbon on it that said, Rest in Peace. And, and we thought it would be just perfect for you because you're always asking us for a little piece so you can get some rest. <laughs> because, you know, mothers and the grandmothers that help them out don't get a lot of rest, do they? <laughs> so a man by the name of Joe Griffenberg wrote a poem to that effect. He writes, Kneading and baking and hoeing and raking a mother's work is never done. Cutting off crusts and wiping up dust a mother's work is never done. Raising children one by one, growing a garden for food and for fun, canning the yams and the beans and the jams, and shopping for thrift for just the perfect gift, traveling for miles to bring family smiles, taking care of the ill and paying the bills, a mother's work is never done. And being a mother is what you do best, forgiving mistakes and obliging the rest. Loving us always in good times and bad, 
making us smile whenever we're sad, sharing your wisdom and guiding our way, keeping us focused so we don't go astray. You taught us to love and to laugh and have fun. We thank you, dear mother, but your work is never done. And that's really true. A mother's work isn't done. It continues through a mother's heartache, uh, through her prayers, through a mother's joys. And so as I begin to close, I would ask you the question this morning, where are you in your journey of motherhood? Uh, Are you teaching other women by your godly example? Have you built a firm and godly foundation for your family to stand on, one that, that recognizes God's sovereignty in this crazy, sinful world and learns to let go of that illusion of our locus of control? Do you have children that you need to pray for? Do you have a husband that you need to pray for? Or is it maybe that, that you perhaps are the one in need of Christ's influence today in your life? And whichever it is my prayer for you this Mother's Day is that God would help you to recognize the majesty that he has concealed within mothers, uh, whether you are one or whether you've had one, and that he would uh, help you to see in every mundane motherly task the eternal cosmic significance that he has placed on who you are and on what you do, and that that God would help you to understand that the most radical, world-changing events may be happening silently and anonymously right inside the lives that your life touches. And for all of us, that what we have seen in part with a mother's love, that we would see more fully in the love of God, that he bestows not only for ourselves and for our families, but for his children throughout the body of Christ and his kingdom. The one where, as Psalm 93 says, where the Lord reigns and where he's robed in majesty. Where the Lord is robed and he puts on strength as a belt in a world that's established and shall never be moved. A realm where God's throne is established from of old, from everlasting, where his statutes stand firm, and above all, where holiness adorns for endless days. And and brothers and sisters, there's only one way to get there. There's only one way that that happens, and that is through the all-sufficient substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and surrendering all of our hopes and our dreams and our life and our future to him and to his superintending will, calling our attention away from ourselves uh, and from the influence of this me-centered culture and sadly from the, uh, the warped influence of the worldly church when it comes to the, the means and the motivation behind our eternal salvation. Because, you know, just like the world uh, teaches us that you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make your mark and, and reach your goal, and all those things are great if in, in a career or if you're in business, But the worldly church tries to preach salvation is a matter of works too and of human synergy with God. And so God does his part and and we do our part and then we're saved. And you see it all the time with pastors and in churches who say things like, will you make Jesus the Lord of your life today? But you know, I've got news for you. Psalm 93 makes it pretty clear who's in charge. And Peter definitely knew who the chief cornerstone was and that Jesus already is the Lord of your life with or without your permission. The only question is, will you repent and believe the gospel? Will you repent and believe the true gospel of a God who knew and loved his own from before the foundation of the world and laid out a determined plan to save them without any human cooperation necessary? Because that's what grace means. Grace means that God makes the first move, that God takes the initiative to seek us out rather than leaving us on our own to find him. It means that God takes the initiative to give us 
what we have no way of getting on our own. That's why grace is called a free gift. It's the gift of being born again. And, you know, just like we have had no say or input about what family we would be born into, what individual mother we would be born to, so spiritually, we are entirely dependent on God's love and his initiative. 